Bracket. What happened to our like Popster XL or whatever those are called? Those are not called the Popster XL. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I know what it's called. Bullshit You've got now. a limp Popster. This is just nothing. Well, I think <laughs> call me limp Popster. Also, did not qualify for the Bunta Classic Pod Race. <laughs> the Bunta Classic. Is that what it's called? Taking I think my it is. Popster. <laughs> Hands off my Popster, sir. <laughs> Popster, sir. Could you get rid of that? <laughs> that is a British town. Popstershire. <laughs> Welcome to Popster. People say James's accent it has bullshit. But he's a resident of Popstershire. It's May 13th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 210. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I am James Spafford. Hey, nice. Spath. How are you doing? You like how I said my name this time? I did. I like did a like sweet it. gap in the middle there. Yeah. Um, how are what's you your guys? middle name? Ellis. That's, I never knew that. Actually, really? There you go. You should grow a beard and go as Ellis from Die Hard for Halloween. <laughs> Who is a Alice full beard? Diehard. He's the it- 80s douche. He's like, Hans, booby, I can give him to you. That guy? Remember that guy? He's like, <laughs> no. Like, it's like Ms. Gennaro's like dickhead office businessman. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a perfect script. Is this beard appropriate? No, no you got to be way shorter. A little bit. Okay. Way shorter. You got to be way You got to fill it in as much as you can. And I, don't then, fi- I don't know if you can simultaneously <laughs> shave and fill that in. Well, I, think no. it's, I think it's as thick as it's going to get. For the readers, James has very, like, uh, Spaff has very, like, Spanish facial hair in terms of <laughs> the way his mustache does not connect to his beard and the way his cheeks do not fill in. Yeah, right. I mean, if somebody yeah. said, if you didn't speak, and then somebody said, oh, that's my friend Spaff, he's from Barcelona, or whatever. Do you I would think I'd like, get away with that with my kind of Mediterranean yeah. features? Yeah. Do you, do you guys want to actually coloring? open with a reader mail? I think that maybe we should. Sure, what? Wow. How unorthodox. Oh, yeah. I think I know the reader mail you're, uh, you're, you're talking Rick about. Wolf writes, yeah. who is this Spaff guy? <laughs> I think we've all been wondering this last few weeks after this uh, person appeared. Did we just soft launch the Spaff? Hey, Thumbs. Who is this Spaff guy? I don't think you guys have properly introduced him beyond his name, though I could be wrong. I'm unconvinced that he is not Nick Brecken donning a parentheses mediocre British accent. <laughs> wow, take that, that would explain why he is the chosen operator of the Nick Brecken quote soundboard. <laughs> Love the show, Rick Wolf. Rick Wolf. Good question, Rick. I'm glad you asked. Um, it is actually Nick Brecken, and this is an elaborate ARG. We've Let's been also running. point out that Rick is it's probably the brother of Law and Order creator which Dick, Dick is also Wolf. short, so this is probably just Law and Order creator Dick. Oh Wolf. man, you're right. Writing wow. under his pseudonym mediocre pseudonym rick wolf <laughs> i don't know rick wolf's not too bad it's better than my accent <laughs> <laughs> that's true no sorry rick i my, didn't mean to be mean to you my accent will become more and more american and weird as time goes by so you can look forward to that well who are you who am i i am spaff james I... ellis spafford 
I uh, I work at Double Fine. I used to work at Media Molecule, but the reason I'm here is because I co-founded Idle Thumbs back in the day before it was a podcast, when it was a weird website. Mm -hmm. You sound more British when you say the word podcast. A podcast. Yeah. Would you like me to be crazy British instead? (laughs) No, no, I think it's fine. My name? No, that's like (laughs) decorative. We said more British, not more old. There's a treasure here in that (laughs) horrific cube. Yes. That's where I come from. <laughs> the Nick Brecken and some other thing. You come from Act Two. <laughs> Nick Brecken and a massive bag of taffy into the Heradric Cube. Heraldric yeah. Cube. I think it is just Heradric. It has nothing to do with heraldry. It's a made no, up, it is. It is a made heradric. up word. Where are yeah. we? So England. that's why I am. I'm Spath from England. I am now here in America where I have moved to work for Double Fine. Listeners of old Idle Thumbs will probably recognize Spaff from a couple GDC episodes back in like 2011 or 8 or something like that. And a couple other, you guessed it, yeah. on a few episodes of Idle Thumbs. We around, did one in my GDCs. apartment where Spaff was there. Yep. And if you're a true listener, then you'll remember the very first Idle Thumbs podcast, which mm-hmm. was myself and uh, Mark B.M. Bromstring. Yeah, yeah, the Thumbcast. The, 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 <laughs> it predates this podcast by a couple of years. Do not listen to it. Yeah, it's not it's not very good yeah, stuff. I gotta three say, episodes or something. <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, um, it's it was great. Um, anyway, that's sorry. Had to get that out of the way because people were asking who this strange man was on our podcast. <laughs> the weirdo is that just showed up and then stayed here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Hi. Hello. Hello. Stay a while <laughs> and listen. I used to be I used to be able to do a much better Deckard can Stay back when I played like yeah, when twelve you, hours of Diablo when two. You heard a day. him say that a bunch. Yeah, it just seeps in. Cool. Man, Diablo... Th- I, Diablo. Has anyone... I, I assume no one here has. Has anyone played Diablo 3 since they, like, changed it all? Yeah. Have since, you, since it's consoled? Is it... I heard it's, like, much better now. It's super good. Yeah. They, I um, watched Ollie play it on the PS4. So they PS3, took so. out the entire, like, real money Four. shop. Thing, right. Just yeah. junk that, which was amazing. There's something... Like, no one ever does that. No one ever says, hey, this huge money-making thing. Let's get rid of it. Let's bin it. Um, they took that out and they just, they kind of made a super good end game. They added all the difficulty in that people wanted. They, they made it so it just never ends. Basically it keeps, keeps going and keeps generating more gear to, to get. Right. Right. I really enjoyed it. And they've added a bunch more since I played it too. They started adding like, um, you could kind of grind for, uh, these things, open portals to like special dungeons with bosses and stuff that were all randomly mm-hmm. generated for more loot. And, um, and then they added. Have they added PvP now? Maybe I don't even know. I don't know. They've had. I haven't played it for I don't know six months or something. But yeah. it was the Diablo three that kind of everyone wanted. Right. At launch. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. And as much as skip forward to the hard bit instead of just playing uh, through all like yeah, 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 yeah. layers of easiness. Yeah. As much as I'm not as like sort of automatically enamored of the Blizzard formula as much as I was, you know, in the sort of late mid late nineties or early two thousands, I still really, really respect their just like institutional um just understanding of what it means to support a game in the long term. It's pretty it's pretty impressive uh the amount of support they've put into Diablo three, which I think still sold quite well but wasn't like probably not as well as they projected it to. You know, yeah. I get the I get the sense. But they also figured out how to make it meet its projections yeah i know but that's cool by like, redoing that just almost like most of yeah. how it operates for being yeah. a company that is part of activision 
that is not a studio that works. Like Activision is not a publisher studio. What am I talking about? Activision is not a publisher that works that way generally. They'll just put out a new one of the whole new that series a year later and just do that forever. You know, it's I don't know. It's an interesting it's combination of philosophies. Like they've the definitely company. looked at World of Warcraft stuff and like you know it's been going ten years now mm-hmm. and has evolved and evolved and evolved. And I've been back into there a couple of times. Oh really? Oh man, I haven't played World of Warcraft in years. It's fun to like go and stick your head in there and yeah. You know, oh, I remember. There's a newish and, expansion. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I know it's kind of good. It's uh, they go back in time to. So the Burning Crusade is in the weird alien land, which you may remember, mm-hmm. Sean, yeah. the um, which is all like blown up and destroyed. But it's yeah. it's going back to when that was not a blown up, destroyed. Mess, oh, that's cool. Um, uh, and kind of changing the the orcs' destiny and stuff. So you get to see a bunch of the. Do you play it by, in fact, stepping things. into a time portal? Like, is there you a go strange? through a huge portal? Good, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do, yeah. You go, do you go beyond <clears throat> the dark portal? You go. <laughs> you are not prepared for it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have the weird... back. You are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, then you're totally prepared. <laughs> then you know exactly where to go, what gear to get, and stuff. <laughs> Starcraft, I imagine, will get similar treatment. Well, there, there's an expansion coming out, which well, uh, they have to release all three races of Starcraft two. I still, know, right? it's, I know, <laughs> it's unbelievable how long that game is going to have taken to make by the time it comes out. What? I've said this on the podcast before, but I had a friend in college who was also a music major, like I was. Nothing, no, no, like video game. We didn't. I don't even think we talked about video games that much, really. Um, at all, but it turned out he ended up getting a job at Blizzard. Not nothing to do with music. He just ended up applying for and getting a job at Blizzard, and I think has been working on StarCraft Two since we graduated from college. <laughs> wow! Yeah, it's it's cra- that's like the that's scale of the development. Yeah, yeah, wow. of that game. Yeah. Are you going to play the expansion? I don't know. I've heard I've heard interesting things about it. Uh, it sounds cool like there's some cool co-op stuff that they're doing um but i don't know if i have it in me to dive back in. i'm into co-op if nick brecken does if nick brecken wants to get back into it is this a challenge like well a you two... and nick played in the co-op ladder for a while like you actually yeah, yeah. right when starcraft 2 came out you guys every night were like yeah and yeah there. we were in the platinum league we were we were decent for sure not like you know amazing but we were pretty good uh and if you if you were into that i would i would i would Get back into StarCraft. So this is a, in a in a lighter way, said. in a less deep way than I did before. So it would be, Nick time, Brecken, for, if you're it'd be time for StarCraft today for sure. <laughs> oh no, God! So readers, if you want this to happen, he's at Nick Brecken on Twitter. You can just <laughs> fill his at replies <laughs> with requests for this for yeah. him to return to StarCraft. We would like that very much. Yeah, you guys sure, should just get not? really into Heroes of the Storm. Their, is, that, is that their Dota like? Yes, yeah, like a is. baby, baby version. No, uh, it's not like that at all. It just doesn't. It just feels. I mean, it's like a. I don't know. Like if you own a decent car and you like it, and then somebody's like, "Here's just a different one," where like some like the pedals are in different places and stuff. You know, you're <laughs> like, okay, like why would I make the switch? Like it kind of works. The one I have is fine. Um, and it's continually improving or I'm learning to appreciate it more. Yeah. I don't know. Just <laughs> How's like, the car analogy holding up for you? Not yeah. good. <laughs> Unlike, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't really, it doesn't congeal. It doesn't set up. It's like a flan that just turns to water in your, <laughs> you know, it's going to set up like a flan. Your analogies are amazing. It's like a flan car, you know? <laughs> 
what else like, is what it's else like is this when game you've been like? driving a car for years and you're so accustomed to it and someone's like try this instead and they give you a flan and it turns and into you're water like, this is not the same as what i'm used to i sat on it and it didn't get me anywhere yeah it just turned into water ta-da <laughs> here's <the> rhetoric <laughs> put that on the box it's downloadable only speaking of things that come in boxes yeah jake's been playing some board games i oh, fuck yes this call that a seg this is a video game <laughs> podcast sean this is look we're gonna blur the lines between reality I would call it a downgrade i would call it a major downgrade from what i was <laughs> promised <laughs> early promotional materials show this to be about video games and you're hinting that there might be board game discussion inside of this podcast i was not just hinting i was overtly expressing that there was going to be Ugh. i have I'm starting to guys. Think, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about retracting. We were planning on making a video game podcast, but it turns out that playing a lot of video games t- was a lot more uh, meticulous a task than we thought it was going to be. So we're going to talk about the board games we played this week instead, and uh, it's probably be a similar experience for you as a customer. Do any of the board games have a video component, like atmosphere, back in the nineties? No, man. I talked about that game. That Doesn't I- Roll to the Galaxy have an auto an audio component? No, no, no. no, no. You're thinking of Space Alert, probably. Space Alert. Yeah, no. Yes. <laughs> No. Although that is that is good. That's super good, that game. Yeah. Have you ever played... Uh, I was also conflating it with that other rolling game, their uh, Escape from the hit, the Temple of mm. Dice. Oh, no, I don't know. Escape from the Temple of Dice. Probably. You started talking about board games, Sean, because you actually just wanted to talk about one big board game that you've been wanting to talk about for a while. Correct. What is it? This is now also our board game blast. Twilight Struggle. Oh, man. I played that game once years ago. It's crazy. It is. So Twilight Struggle is a two-player board game that is a, um, <clears throat> guess, a card-based strategy game that has been sort of, if you go to, like, BoardGameGeek.com and look at their, like, review, like, there were review rankings. If it you has can been find the, them. It has been the number one board game on there for like years and years and years and years and this game has finally just been um it's been re-released over the past couple of years but it is a strategy game where one side plays one person plays as the ussr and the other person plays as the united states and it simulates the cold war from 1945 to uh 1989 and your goal is to just get victory points but you do so by like employing the different war maneuvers both explicit and covert that all make up the cold war it's so 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 good and the thing that's amazing about it is i don't so long time listeners to the podcast will remember that we played this game called imperial 2030 like back in like yeah, like 2009, episode, nine, like 10. 60s, 70s, 60s, 70s, yeah, those sounds, episodes. Yeah, basically. Back right. in the 1960s. And, um, in the Steve Gaynor days, in the, in the lost 13 episodes of the Out of Thumbs podcast. Yes. 51 through 64. Correct. And something we kind of kept saying about that game is that the design of it did a really good job of making you appreciate sort of the strategic and economic advantages of being on certain being in certain places on a world map whereas like like the middle east in that game sort of becomes this like 
hot pot <laughs> of yeah, the middle of the Middle East and Imperial 2030 is just always a military disaster no matter and just what. People, it's yeah. always switching hands. Money yep. is going in and out. It's just a mess. And the thing that's so amazing about Twilight Struggle, and I'm sure you experienced this, Chris, back when you played it, is that the way the game is set up and the way that you have, you kind of like place your, you're given influence. And that's sort of your ability to, that's the influence. currency of the game is well there's many currencies but the way you kind of score points is by like maintaining and holding influence in regions all over the all over the globe and the way the initial influence you have is set up and then the way events unfold over the course of the game really gives you a very fundamental appreciation of how uh the politics but also just um the circumstances of the cold war kind of came together to create the tension that your parents talk about. Maybe not your parents, Spaff. They were just like, <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> yeah, they just talk about the Germans and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's different. But um, when you think about your, like, if you live in America, your parents telling you, like, oh, yeah. Or just in my case, just my dad. Oh, yeah, we sort of, like, knew about having to, like, get under your desk because we were worried about the nukes. It makes you appreciate that stuff in a way that is uh, on a on a meta scale that I hadn't really thought of. It all feels so fantastical, but the game does such a very good job of doling out all the events of the Cold War as historical fact. And you're like, oh wait, this sort of this happened. Like, have you got an example from when you were playing? Yeah, I mean, I think like a great example would be <clears throat> who did you play with? Adam. Okay. Yeah, my buddy. Uh, we were both learning at the same time. There's a great website called twilightstrategy.com, I think was the blog, that we sort of read when we were beginning to play. And it really like streamlined uh, the learning process in a way that classically like the instructions of this game did not. But um, a great example was knowing that I needed... like there was an, like, Were you the Soviets or the Americans? I was the Americans. And I knew that if I could get Adam out of Cuba, like, my life would be way easier. <laughs> like, because he could just kind of keep sort of, like, planting influence in my, in, like, my home region, making it really hard for me to score points and make, making it really hard for me to expand and, like, to sort of, like, have a stronghold the way he did in the USSR. Because basically... The way it starts when he's able to like layer his influence onto the board at the beginning, it tells you exactly where to put your influence points. He's just like, good. <laughs> like I am the stalwart Russian bear. Like I'm solid. Like I've got a nice front here. I have control this region. There's no sort of like middling fingers of the United States in any of my stuff, but he also has, he starts with influence in Cuba. So when I'm thinking about, okay, it'd be really great to get him out of Cuba. I can incite a coup, but coups are really, really hard to pull off. And they also uh, increase the, like the DEFCON score of the game. So if you, if the, if the def, if you go down to DEFCON 1, the game explodes and it's over. So if you're the person who like basically pushes the nuke button by doing some sort of active aggression, you lose instantly. So you're watching the DEFCON score kind of drift up and down, looking for a good time to create a political coup to, like, just make your life a little easier. And then when you think about it, you're like, oh, wait, what I'm doing actually is, like, 
getting a bunch of rebels to like just be murdered by the government <laughs> so I can be more influential here. When you think about what was actually happening, you're like, oh, I just need to incite a coup. That's all I got to do. Uh, that was something that I was always kind of thinking about when I realized that I could just like lock down an entire area of the map by like inciting a little coup in Venezuela. I would do it casually as long as it wasn't going to like ruffle any feathers, but it just gave me a good appreciation of their st- of that idea of like, oh, there's a coup in right. you know whatever Colombia. Who cares? It like seems, when you read it, it in the news, but it gives you a strategic understanding of like, oh yeah, that's the upside of doing all these things. But there's an emotional and like human cost that um, the game does a really nice job of like dryly stating. I think despite the similarities, it, it is very different, but it actually reminds me of playing defcon by introversion if you yeah have yeah. Play, yeah, just, yeah yeah just like i mean that is united states versus soviets cold war simulation but it's very much based on war games it's a pc game it came out a while ago now actually but yeah, years, years ago. yeah it's, it's it probably has been 10 years geez um but the way that game works it has a defcon meter that goes up as well so in the in the higher rated defcons you're sort of just moving units around and sort of scoping out things flying planes over places and stuff but then once you start that game basically inevitably drops to everyone just nuking everyone else. But when you attack a city in that, just the way that it's presented immediately makes you think about the actual, like, you're at such a weird abstracted level. Yeah, you're so removed. But then when it the says, framing. like, 200,000 dead or whatever, because you yeah. actually... Yeah. You're you, the guy sitting at the terminal watching And yeah, you, it fly. feels so much like just going... And then just seeing a number on the screen... That it's actually like paralyzing in its in its nothingness, and I know it sounds like your experience is different than that, but it had that same element of the game abstracts stuff enough that you get a weird sense of what the big picture might feel like to the point that you can even like hypothetically sort of put yourself in the right. in the eyes of the of the of the people that would be impacted by this were it real. It's, For sure, mm-hmm. the, I think the difference between that is that when you're playing DefCon, the the um the PC game. Uh, which you should totally pick up. It's like cheap on Steam. But um, you are the present presentation of that game makes you readily apparent of the the consequences of your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very concerned with that in the moment. Just the way like a number fades up of how many people were just incinerated. <laughs> you know. Right. Whereas I didn't really realize I wasn't building those connections playing. Um, Twilight, uh, Struggle. Twilight Struggle until afterwards, until I was able, until oh, so I was in like a like you were like the consequence free like CIA guys just <laughs> exactly sliding right. stuff all over the place and not yeah. even caring that there was a real world that you were impacting. exactly right. Yeah. There's this great quote like and a lot of the cards have quotations on them, so it can be like you can play an event that's like there's a war between India and Nepal, you know, and that has strategic impact on the board and things like that. Or like oh, there's a a war that you can incite in whatever the Central America stuff like this. It's not that like throwing a coup. Um, there's a quote on one of the cards from a United States, somebody in the U S government saying, this is an all out war. If at the end of this, there are two Americans alive and one Russian alive, then we have won. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. it's like, it's not like I can't, I'm butchering it, but that's a, that's the right. quote. And, uh, it has nice things like that, like little historical errata all over the yeah. cards and, and, so one yeah. one thing that is oh sorry Spath. oh no I was just gonna say in that scenario why would you leave one Russian alive maybe maybe <laughs> surely, maybe he's a really sexy Russian surely it's only over when maybe he's a zero. really yeah I, yeah sorry Chris 
something uh, yeah, insightful. Yeah, you've gone that far. If that you leave that one wrestler like, alive well, to just so you can lure the victory over yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't win if there's none left. <laughs> yeah, there's no one to feel superior to if he's gone. <laughs> Uh, the uh, the DefCon. I'm glad you brought up DefCon because I think it highlights another difference in how these how you can rep- represent uh, something like war, which you know is such a complex, weird thing because it's represented in entertainment in a way that you know is generally so different from obviously the reality of, of it, both on a micro scale and a macro scale. Um, DefCon essentially um, the whole thing all exists in a sort of um, in a, it's, it's one system. It's like the people who die in this city are the same as the people who die in that city. It's just a matter of how many of them there are. So Defcon is sort of Defcon is the one that gives you the sense, the sort of awestruck horror about the scale of human lives involved in this kind of mass warfare. Um, Twilight struggle is the one that uh, kind of makes you aware of the impossibility of decision-making on a grand scale. Right. Um, like DEFCON is, is not so much about decision-making. It's more about the inevitable tragedy of mass warfare, regardless of individual decisions. Whereas Twilight Struggle, I think is very much about because it's based on historical events. There's no, like it's not balanced right in the way that, that, that a, a sort of traditional war game well that a non-historical war game tries to be right right like a fictional made-up war like twilight struggle is like that you can do this or this and they're totally unrelated things <laughs> basically that's like one of them's inside a coup and one of them is like you know uh form a pact or whatever like there's this things that are not like apples to apples it's actually explicitly not that and like that every card has so you play the game by like getting pulling some cards off a deck there's a late game there's an early game deck which is like the first four years or the first four whatever eras then there's like a mid game deck and then there's a uh, late game deck and those cards never change and it's not a deck building game or anything like that but those cards get shuffled in as the years go on the years it's like 12 years or whatever and um each card it's actually like I like that you said like it's not apples to apples because it's like explicitly the opposite in that each card has like a historical event that has an outcome that can be advantageous to the Russians or to the Americans. And um, it also has a score. So like between one and four and you can choose to play a card for its event outcome or you can take its score and apply it to like influence on the board. I'm going to put one. Well, okay. This has got a score of three. I'm going to put three influence points on the board or you can take a card and just like uh, score and event agnostic, just burn it and put it towards the space race. So you have all these, like every card is like not just its event or its score. It's just like three very like, uh, asymmetric decisions yeah, you can right. make, but it just it cards don't sort quite, of ends up becoming a, an item of value. And exactly you right. Sort of where yeah. it goes, yeah. and you don't, you never quite know exactly what to do because your opponent has got a long game in mind as well. So you're making the best possible decision you can with the information you have, which I think is like a great, like. uh simulation of these two powers trying just, to fucking win a war that's unwinnable conflict yeah, is yeah. that forever yeah right? it feels yeah. like i felt like for three hours basically like 
Smiley and Tinker Taylor just trying to like piece <laughs> something together right. and like get a new piece of information and like use it to the best I can, but know mm-hmm. that like ultimately I was probably going to lose. It has huge swings. The game is really balanced. Like early on, it has a lot of Russian strength. And then if you are smart and expand well as the United States in the late game, you have a bit of an advantage. So it's got this really nice sort of like like um power curve that That's switches cool. towards the mid game who won i did the united states right but um <laughs> it's and the oh, scoring yeah. is really good it's not the first uh, readers you can't see what i'm doing with my hands but like i'm moving them both up like two mutually exclusive columns um it's not like you're trying to race to 20 points and i'm trying to race to 20 points it's a tug of war it's an actual struggle and that the scoring mechanism goes to 20 but has zero in the middle so if on this turn you gained five points and I gained four, you only gained one. So Adam got all the way to 19 of 20 points, and then I pulled the score all the way back to 20. <laughs> oh, my God. Like over wow. the course of like an hour and a half. It was, but that's so fun. That's it's awesome. so good. Yeah, I love like, it. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend. Like, you should play it again. And like, I know. Jake, I it's been years, so I don't remember. You would love it. I'll, I've got I'll it just too. bring it into the office. It's, yeah. it's yeah. funny, really quick, Chris, what you were saying about this game, about uh, Twilight Struggle being said in real life so therefore the, mm-hmm. the you can't balance it and like i when i when you first said that i thought you were talking about that in comparison to defcon but i i, ma- I imagine you were talking talking about it in comparison to something like civilization where you can roll a balanced right. world yeah, from yeah, scratch yeah, yeah. because yeah. defcon even though defcon is really pared down and stylized defcon does have a multiplayer mode but i remember at least when it came out it actually kind of got dinged pretty hard by a lot of people because of the fact that it was basically not possible to balance defcon multiplayer because it takes place on planet Earth and just has all of the right. actual yeah. restrictions yeah. that Earth has. That's true, and that, that's a good point. And what I all I meant about DefCon being sort of more of the system it was just the sort of interchangeability of. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah DefCon is just about that one particular thing, right? But yeah. it's funny to think even the game that reduces that down because they <laughs> right. made the one choice just the to shape keep of the United the States continents. and Russia yeah, or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like it is, yeah. there's going to be certain things that you can and can't do well. Yeah, you only have yeah. this many ports and this much like seaboard mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah. you know. And that's very much at odds with sort of classical notions of what game design balance is, know, you know, which is, seeks to be as symmetric as possible, which I guess goes back to like chess and go. Right. And it's funny like though that. to think about that. I, I mean, I, we, we've talked about this, this to death at this point, but I, mean, I guess it's interesting that games of like chess and go and what fucking checkers, whatever are simulations of war, but things like twilight struggle and Defcon because they take, the asymmetrical or the asymmetry of reality into mm-hmm. consideration are probably far more accurate. Well, there's an interesting like, um, or you you get more of the the realistic yeah. play of, right. of war out of right. it. Right. The I, the way that human beings think about war has changed a lot over history. Um, there's a great podcast called Hardcore History by a guy named Dan Carlin, who's sort of an amateur historian and like extremely um, well read. Uh, he in particular. I think is most interested in ancient Rome and the Mongols and Man, I maybe guess, World War. I guess that's true. If your too, wars are but, soldiers getting in like five lines of different types of units and then basically marching towards each other, classic right. board game design yeah, mag- ta- maps, yeah. maps a lot more clearly. Yes. He talks a lot about, about how uh, there's a great, he did a great um, like six part series called, I think blueprint to Armageddon or something that was about World War one that he yeah, just, that he so just good. finished. And, um, and a lot of it was about was about how attitudes toward warfare. World War One was really kind of the fulcrum point, 
for uh, these attitudes changing from, uh, you know, for for example, the classical European and British conception of war as like sort of a noble, almost adventurous pursuit to something that was like a professional endeavor that that has like tactics and well, I mean, there's always been tactics. Obviously, I mean, there are ancient generals that are still that are still read in you know and taught at that West Point. But like, but there definitely was a different approach in how, for example, infantry were used. Um, and that that is that became much messier in the 20th century, and that had a lot to do with sort of the technology that was available, and, and as well as various other factors. And uh, definitely, the modern conception of war. We still have sort of stirring adventure tales of war, but I think the modern conception of war is much messier and much less in just sort of purely noble than was seen in ancient times or even relatively recent history. Yeah, I'll, we've also probably just unmasked some of the honesty. I mean, if you think about a game like Crusader yeah. Kings, mm-hmm. Crusader Kings has no symmetry or rhyme or reason to it. It's complete insanity, but it feels more honest to to, well, because to that's a history. The, because that's not just warfare. It's also like infinite political maneuvering and right. But I mean, that's also claims of ownership and like legality and right. But that's what one war. I guess what I'm trying to say, Chris, I think that's also (laughs) is included to a certain degree in something like twilight struggle. Okay. Oh, sure. I see. Yeah. 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 All the sort of names of the cards and things in twilight struggle are definitely, you know, deal with actual. Yeah. It's it's kind of a a combination of not romantic, of not romanticizing war, but also taking it one step up and being honest about everything that's potentially Mm -hmm. in play. That is just the complete insanity of mm-hmm. humanity. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm just going to put another – just going to toss out another recommendation for Hardcore History, that podcast that I mentioned. It's really good if you're interested in history, particularly military history, which I'm not even really, but I still love that <laughs> podcast. Come on now. Yeah. I'm, I've never Admit been a military it. history guy, but – but uh, No, Dan Collin is like that college professor you had who is the good one. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, who is yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, okay, exactly. I don't really care about like – the politics of Eastern Europe, but I am ensorcelled by the, the college so professor. Do not that's, stop that's speaking, so, please. So yeah. good that you consider adding a minor or changing your yeah, major because right, the yeah. class like makes yeah, you realize I mean, that. It, I yeah, now yeah. feel like I'm actually genuinely more interested in that stuff than I was before. For sure. So anyway, hardcore, hardcore history. It's a great podcast. It's very he re- releases them very rarely, but when he does, they are big and hugely well researched. And yeah, and, listening yeah. to one episode makes you realize why they take so long. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You guys want to take a break? Yeah. Yes. I want to talk about underpants, Chris. Video game. We'd like to thank a medium term sponsor of the podcast. MeUndies. They're back to bring us cool and comfortable underpants and a sponsorship of this episode. If you haven't been to MeUndies, uh, they sell men's and women's styles of very colorful underpants they also sell cotton basics like t-shirts and socks they're very high quality yeah um i have some meundies and i like them very much they have lots of like literally like tens of styles like 20 different dozens some would say but they do a monthly style which i like and their one this month is called desert days and is it desert chrome underpants it's desert chrome underpants. You're right. Like what? The fucking Photoshop filter? Yeah, like, like sunglasses uh, reflection. <laughs> no, oh, okay. no, it's sort of like that's a, next. That's next month. It's sort of like a reduced down, uh, like Santa Fe, New Mexico style, like patterns and shapes. So it's, look bold, really nice. it's bold seasonal underpants. Yeah, I, I check their monthly styles, and it usually gets me to put something in my cart. So 
I think that's... And I'm a discerning underpants. So I've heard driver. if you put something in your cart, you can save big with 20% and free shipping. It's MeUndies.com slash thumbs. Shipping? Not going to pay for that by a postman who's probably wearing MeUndies because he likes to be cool on his... <laughs> he could be in a commercial where the dog bites his pants and then he like runs away and there's a hole in his pants and you can see his MeUndies. You can see through <laughs> then the It, it through zooms the in and says seasonal pattern I'm, I'm, Southwest I'm saying style. pants in American style. <laughs> oh, right. he'd have an American flag or something? <laughs> yeah, I guess why not? Meandies.com slash thumbs. Thanks. Video game. Jake. Sean. Can we be honest about something? I know where this is going, and yes. We know you're going to snack. I am. I know it. Spaff knows it. I've I, seen you snack. I piled a bunch of snacks into my mouth right before recording this Can very I give episode. you my personal opinion about your snacking? Yeah. I think you want it to be worth it. So, I think you should probably snack on some nature box i should probably snack on some nature box that's true you know what nature box is i do nature box is a delicious snack subscription service that is sponsoring this episode of idle thumbs they uh you can go to their website and sign up and is it once a month they'll send you a box full of snack food items of a bazillion varieties savory crunchy sweet fruit nut things baked items Mm-hmm. Dried pineapple slices. Dried pineapple slices. So that's really, if I respected myself more, that's basically what I would eat every day as my snack. You would just, you would like triple stack those. Yeah, and then on the weekend I'd use them to make cocktails. That's perfect. That's a perfect. I mean, you have in fact have. done that. Yes, I have. It's delicious. <laughs> um, they have over a hundred snacks. I, I said bazillions, but I meant over a hundred. They have described them as crave worthy. Man, this is just right up my alley. Yeah. I so. crave snacks. These are crave-worthy <laughs> snacks. Let's say, let's say you think you might crave them. If I wanted to like sample the cravings, the hundreds of cravings oh available, I would probably go to naturebox.com slash thumbs and get a free sampler pack. Exactly what you get a free trial by going there. Oh, that's all that I want. Naturebox.com slash thumbs. Video game. Shut up. So a non-sponsorship thank you to... Idle Forums user Secret Asian Man, a.k.a. David Wang. (laughs) Sorry, David Wang. David Wang writes, Hey Thumbs, your resident candy man here. You may have received another big box of candy from me by now. We have. May and did. I've been promising Danielle Junior Mints for months now, and I thought it was about time I followed through on that. I've also thrown thrown in a bunch of other stuff I thought I'd explain. So, before I read the rest of this email, we got a box today from David a large box that included uh, many delicious things. I'll now read his full list here. He says, The Nerds Ropes are for Jake, of course. The Goldfish are for Chris. The Junior Mints are for Danielle. These will arrive later because they weren't available on Amazon Prime. The Fudge is for Nick because Fudge Nick Brecken. The Taffy <laughs> is for Spaffy. The Thanks. Gummy Bears are for Sean because I couldn't think of a good joke and Gummy Bears seemed safe. The coffee syrup is for Danielle or Spaff. He seemed the most con- confused by the concept of coffee milk. And the assortment of Kit Kats is for everyone because they look really good. I couldn't get everything in one shipment, so if something is missing, it'll probably show up eventually. I hope everyone enjoys their goodies, and of course, feel free to share. Keep up the great work, and I'll continue to rot your teeth and ruin your appetites. Sincerely, David, a.k.a. Secret Agent Man. So we're still waiting on Goldfish, Junior Mints, and Kit Kats. I was going to say that uh, the gummy bears are delicious. My favorite candy... For the record. For the record. Just for the record. Is either <laughs> a big bag of gold. Raisinets. Oh yeah. Those are or good. I was gonna say I was gonna say this, but then I realized what it was. A York peppermint patty. Which is just a smushed 
Junior Mint. It's just a ra- it's just a Junior Mint. It's just got Junior Mint. It just got smushed. Junior Mint. What is that? I don't know. Smush Junior Mint. I had a sip of that. Like I had a sick sort of up and coming mobster. Yeah. So at the break, we all God, Chris, what are you doing? Bring a Junior Mint. Oh my God, I was going to talk about coffee milk. We were talking about coffee milk because we were talking about Smush Junior Mint. The problem is, I took a sip of this and it made my mouth basically coated. In phlegm. This is the official drink of Rhode Island or something. Yeah, Danielle, yeah, Danielle couldn't, be here this week. couldn't be here. So we're going to drink this gross coffee milk. <laughs> Readers, we are drinking <laughs> whole milk with high fructose corn mm. syrup, syrup coffee flavored extracts in it. This is the official drink of Rhode Island and it's therefore very sweet. of Danielle. It's like, t- it's like <laughs> melted ice cream. <clears throat> it really is, yeah. She described it as, it's like, as basically coffee it's just, ice cream. It's just mm. melted coffee ice cream. It's melted it's coffee ice cream. Well, it's not. It's kind of weirder than I thought it would be. I would, it's I kind would, of more licorice or something. I yeah. am a person you could mess who with doesn't the, handle you could sugar and lactose the, very well. Mm, oh, I like milk, but... I love it, but instant water shits going. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know is happening with here. With all this said, I think we should read some reader mail. Smush Junior Mint's got a poops problem. I got about 17 <laughs> minutes before this makes its way through my system. So we better get on with it. <laughs> thank I you for you- these things, and thank you for the giant bag of taffy that is bigger than anything mm-hmm. ever. We will oh, yeah, try that was and a eat big that. <laughs> bag of taffy. <clears throat> we don't have taffy in England. Really? Well, we have toffee. Yeah, but that's like more of like a caramel. We sort have of those. I don't know what we'd call those. Chews or something tedious like that. Taffy is a cooler name. Yeah. Taffy's something that I've always known existed, but I don't think I've ever had in my entire life. Until now. So I haven't had it yet, but I will, I guess. Uh, so Adam, let's see, Adam Fomolaro writes, Hey Thumbs, I heard you talk about Valve's former hat economist and finance minister of Greece, Yanis Varoufakis. Oh yeah. I came across an article on Stereogum that proposes that his wife, Dana Strato, was the inspiration and woman in the song Common People by Paul. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is, he is basically the most fascinating man on earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's an article... That he links, whose headline is Greek politician agrees that Pulp's common people is probably about his wife. What? <laughs> how? Okay, I need to read this because how did, uh, you know, a band from Sheffield in the UK write a song well, about the Greek finance be... minister's wife? This well, is the, so, big <laughs> Half Life fans. As The Guardian yeah. points out, Jarvis Cocker affirmed that the woman in the song was not just a literary device in a 2013 BBC Five interview. I did meet this girl, he said. She was at St. Martin's doing a different course. We were at a bar, and she was going on about how she wanted to go and live in Hackney with the common people. And I thought, well, that's a bit much. But I did fancy her, so I thought, am I going to let it go, or shall I take her to task? Uh, So then last week, the Greek newspaper Athens, Greece, used the song's opening line. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College as clues. According to that paper, the woman in question is Dana Stratu, an installation artist who currently lives in Austin, Texas. Stratu, it emerges, was the only Greek student to study sculpture at St. Martin's between 1983 and 1988, the same year as Cocker was studying film at the same institution. Stratu's husband is <laughs> Yanis Varoufakis, Greek controversial minister of finance. Uh, as it turns out, Varoufakis sure seems to agree that the song is about Stratu. This is crazy. Uh, he said, well, I wouldn't have known her back then, but I do know that the only Greek student of sculpture at St. Martin's College at that time... Uh, and from personal experience, she is a very fascinating person. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it, I guess. Wow, that's really mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, so Jeffrey J. writes... <laughs> Sorry, I just read the lyrics of Common People. 
Oh, you're just going through them? Yeah, there's yeah. some good good shit in there. Yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> yeah, this is why it's like really the yeah, it feels like, yeah, it's probably person. her. Yeah. <laughs> yep, well, nailed it. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey J. writes, hey, Thumbs. Hey, Jeffrey. Hearing, hearing Spaff talk about his accidental purchase of Bloodborne on PS4. <laughs> oh, my God, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Still unresolved. <laughs> it reminded me of something similar that happened to me about a year ago. About a week before the new Wolfenstein game came out on Xbox One, I decided to have a look at the Xbox store to see if it was available for preload. I was watching a movie at the time of checking, so I decided to use the Smart Glass app. To use this, you still have to turn on your yeah, Xbox Smart for some Glass. Reason. I still don't know what Smart Glass is, it's by the way. It's the second screen experience, Chris. That was helpful. Uh, I type it in the search bar. I it's, find like it. a, it's like how you can snap stuff, but imagine if that was on your phone. What do you mean how you can content. snap stuff? What are you talking about? Chris, get like, the fucking about picture. It's like the blades of the modern one. era. No, I don't. It's I'm, like, ju- I'm uh, trying to use terms that anyone can understand. These terms are fucking honed down to be easily digestible <laughs> by consumers. Snapping stuff is like you're watching fucking nice We're just playing yeah, this you snap, snap like you're it. watching the western conference finals but you want to play you know like okay Chris, you have your connect on it's, it's looking at you and you want you corner. want perhaps something Wait. else to appear at the same time as your game so you say it's a picture in picture it's a sorry so snap, say, is just a, snap is just okay, the xbox picture, picture. okay yeah so you so say okay. picture in picture at xbox it's just a stupid smartphone app that has all your xbox shit on it that's all <laughs> it is smart glass so this guy was using that he says, to use that, you still have to turn on your Xbox for some reason. Because it's all garbage. Man, my mouth is really milky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coffee milky. I need a green apple to get rid of all that shit. How about some Tip, gummy bears? by the way, we never actually do this, but uh, if you eat a green apple before going on mic, you're, you will get rid of all that crappy... Apple juice will also work, but green mouth. apple is the best. Unless uh, you're just busy eating the apple whilst recording. <laughs> 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 oh, the script is very good. Me <laughs> undies. <laughs> all right. So he, anyway, I, someday I'll complete this email. He writes, uh, I type it in the search bar. I find the listing and I go to the store. There were no details or price whatsoever apart from some screenshots. All of a sudden, my Xbox controller falls off the couch. I didn't think of anything of it, so I picked it up and put it back where it was. Two minutes later, I got my receipt from Xbox for my purchase of Wolfenstein for Xbox One, which cost 290 Australian dollars. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I know this all sounds far-fetched, so I went through the effort of, fun- of finding the original receipt. <laughs> includes a receipt. It's crazy. It says, before tax, $263.59. Uh... Sales tax twenty six dollars and thirty six cents. Total for this order two eighty nine ninety five. Quantity one. Jesus. Anyway, he just got doing refund. some conversion for you there. That's two hundred and thirty US dollars. <laughs> Good job, Microsoft. <laughs> fucking Wolfenstein. Yeah, apparently it was okay, a, well, apparently that, it was a pricing error, and they refunded him the money eventually. That's good. Uh, keep up the good work. You make my daily commute a lot easier, Jeff from Melbourne. Sorry, you suffered a, a Microsoft ecosystem error as well as a pricing <laughs> error. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alex McLinden writes, Hey Thumbs, I know podcasts always say reviews are helpful to leave, but I always wonder, are all reviews helpful or just five stars? Oh, I hadn't I, thought about that. <laughs> I, of course, wouldn't leave a low review for Idle Thumbs, but sometimes I'm listening to another podcast, and I wonder if a three-star review God. would help or hurt them. Thanks, Alex and Marilyn. I'm sure he's asking for a friend here. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if a three-star review would hurt them or help them. Yeah, I don't actually know the answer to that. I mean, if their reviews well, are like one, they're a solid one, true. then the yeah. three is like going to really... step up. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
But it might it might help them like emotionally. Yeah. yeah, it might like urge them. Like, oh man, we let well we're not awful. Down. We're not in the not in the toilet, but yeah. we could like, clearly do better. No, I, I think guys, we <laughs> implore you to go give us a bunch of threes. Watch this the the quality of this podcast I'll go through the roof a bunch after of that. Threes. It is generally safe to say that people would prefer that you only review the podcast if you like it. However, Receiving some honest feedback is also always welcome. Just in email form. In, <laughs> you can leave it wherever you want, but try to like leave more four and five star reviews than like three star reviews. Yeah. You can send us a tweet that just has like three star emoji. And then like two screaming cat right. faces to represent the other two stars and then tell us what you think. Those yeah. iTunes reviews are crazy as well. Like we just put Broken Age up and... You know, we got a whole mix of reviews, but then you read the, the reason for some of these things. Someone's like, I really, really like this game, and my daughter loved it. The art is really good, uh, but it's too big. One out of five. Like, too too big on my iPad. Like, it's too gig. You mean, oh, like, just like, like yeah. too big right. file size. It takes One up the out whole of five. screen. <laughs> yeah, no. They thought they could snap. Like, I really liked it. It's too big. But it's too large. The concepts to are too heady. <laughs> Yep. It's too much like the movie Big. <laughs> I was, where's that Zoltan machine or whatever? Oh, man. Um, Where right, is so, that Zoltan machine? I don't know. Fine. Uh, Andrew Sparks writes, Man Economy. Morning Thumbs, I was approached recently by a guy who was really interested in the items I'd obtained in, P- in Team Fortress 2 for pre-ordering the Sam and Max seasons. Sorry, by saying I was approached, I immediately thought this was like in a coffee shop had like steam open or even didn't and someone went yeah i hear you have that uh max is there's, prob- there's will- probably a subreddit for tracking down people who have tf2 items oh, there absolutely want. are yeah 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 uh anyway um, i still have my hat by the way sean oh good i was hacked okay let's move on so uh he had the max hat <laughs> and two guns all cosmetic items with no in-game benefits he asks if I want earbuds or games and provides multiple sites which offer independent valuations on in-game items. Yep, been down this road. I ask for games and provide a list to roughly the same cost as the valuation. Over the course of several hours, the chap is apparently involved in negotiations with other contacts, occasionally responding that he's acquired one of the games. I begin to picture a stock market floor with a guy holding a handful of cheap iPod earbuds, screaming, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> After some time, we trade goods and he asks if I'd leave positive feedback on his profile by way of commenting plus rep on his profile page comments. So not only is this economy built around imaginary earbuds, people are treating it like eBay with trader reputations oh, yeah, to uphold. Yeah, yeah. There are financial analysts regulating the prices of cosmetic character enhancements within a fluctuating market. I only hope Valve doesn't try to raise revenue by leaking more buds into the market. Frankly, I'm still astounded that I was able to obtain $120 worth of goods from a 30-pound purchase several years ago. The worst thing is, I think he actually made a decent profit from the exchange. Andrew Sparks. I think I did well. Yeah. Man, I was uh, on Skype with uh this guy william blitz lee who's a dota commenter mm-hmm. we were just talking about stuff and about to play a game yeah and uh he plays a lot of csgo and he had a bunch of keys that he had just purchased on the gray market mm-hmm. and while talking to him he opened up a crate that had the most had the rarest knife i guess available of all knives that are in the market right now and he made a noise on (laughs) skype that i've heard very rarely in a grown human person it was just like try to do it 
Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was an incredible noise. And I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And then he linked me the knife that he got, and it was worth, like, over $2,000. Oh, my God. On the gray market. Wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. On the gray market. Black market, whatever, gray market. The unofficial market. You can't. It's not that black. $500 is the limit of the Steam marketplace. So if you put something up for 500 that's the size it'll go in the Steam marketplace. So you, if you want more than that, you have to sell it on forums and things like right, that. Right, yeah. If to range a back channel trade. A BCT, please. <laughs> wow. How does that affect the economy then when you go outside of regulation space? I think it's still, because you're still, the purchase of keys, right, to yeah. open these crates is still being motivated by the value of an interior, of a good inside of them. I mean, have, I think, have I talked about the spreadsheet on this podcast? About the Max Hat spreadsheet? Oh, the one that has the owners of all Max Hats? Oh, no, you mean... No, the Oh, the no, you can't talk about that. Okay, I won't talk about that. That's... You absolutely cannot talk about that. I don't think that, that exists <laughs> anymore, which is good. Okay. Because it would be a bad thing if that appeared. Anyway, I shouldn't talk about that. Sorry, you're right. I never know when when it's okay. It's too soon. Chris, uh, when so TF2 is offline. <laughs> Tegan Robichaux, uh writes in, Robot News. <gasps> we don't, haven't done a lot of robot news recently, but this is crazy. Um, so she links... Well, we talk about those spiders. Those spiders. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, so she she links to an article, and she gives us a, D, a TLDR on it. And her summary is, researchers at NYU Poly built a robot fish that assimilated into a school of real fish and became their leader. What? (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is also the plot of Terminator Genesis. And before I read this email, I read the article and that's what happened. They built a a robot fish with like a jointed tail that can swim in the water, but it doesn't look like a real fish. No, it looks like an iPod. It's just like a white gleaming robot, like cyborg fish. It's like Eve from Wally in Fish Form. Yeah, exactly. That's what it looks like. Um, but because it moves like a real fish does, the other fish just like all followed it. I guess. Would they follow it like, like the way a fish follow a lure? Like they thought it was food. They didn't attack it. No, it like was the the forefront of a school of fish hmm. that were all swimming. Together. It led them to victory against the other school <laughs> of fish, which also were then assimilated. So when the, <laughs> the fish born. when the robot wasn't when the when the robot fish wasn't moving, none of the other like real fish paid attention to it. But when when the robot simulated the familiar tail movement of a leader fish, members of the school assumed the behavior patterns they exhibit in the wild, wild slowing their tails and following their robotic leader. The leader fish. Yeah. I guess their tails move more aggressively. I guess so. To lead the pack. Yeah. Whatever, the school. The school. <laughs> this could be ruinous so for as, fishing. Like all, okay, <laughs> yes. so like, like all robot news... It is introduced with the, it is the researchers. <laughs> oh, something cheeky. Yeah. No, just with the most optimistic, positive version of what this could be used for. Mm-hmm. The researchers posit that robotic leaders could help lead fish and other wildlife that behave collectively, including birds, away from toxic situations such as oil or chemical spills. And into, into, into a mouse. Into <laughs> nets. Yeah. Giant nets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Yep. Is there a video of someone kicking the robot fish? <laughs> That's the true measure of whether it's movement. There's a video yeah, of someone movement. thinking about maybe touching it in a pool and then being grossed out when it goes past their hand. <laughs> it's crazy how much this looks like the video game version of what this would look like. You know, right. when, when people design robotic animals in video games, they always look 
a little bit too clean and designed and right. like movie robot. Right. Whereas like, like a big IDO dog doesn't look it. like yeah. that. But this looks like the apple fish. Like it's the, right. the, <laughs> the most, it's like the fish. reduction of the fish. I hope shape. that that fish changes sides and starts fighting for fish where we just have like, <laughs> you know, it just then turns into like, uh, like it would turn right. into like a fish. The John like, Connor of in, fish. In an aquatic right. horror movie, you know, where so, but, but mixed with Terminator where someone's fishing and then like, zzz, zzz, <laughs> and then they just get pulled in and are killed. <laughs> All the nets are in fact snipped through like, like what you're supposed to do with soda, like a six pack rings. Because that fish just goes like if that robot just, fish makes it impossible for humans to ever catch a fish. Right, again. exactly. It's just like whatever. Yeah, it can it can outmaneuver and outfight any human fish trap. Like, Look, fish, you're all very stupid. I come from them. I got you. Really? No. If this if this fish this fit drinking coffee milk then saying the words this fish is really hard. If this fish falls into the right hands, by which this I mean fish falls. If this fish falls, um, <laughs> by which I mean like some wacky like '90s cyber activists who then just create an army of pro fish smart fish, I'm totally down for that. Because then they're <laughs> pro fish smart, smart fish, fish. <laughs> red fish, blue fish. Look, that is the book that our children will read. Exactly. They right. could, um, when the when the robot wars extend robot to fish? Earth's seas, yeah. and they send them back in time to stop the world's yeah uh, the fisheries from being overfished. The, our final battleground is is below the waves, where <laughs> sleek fish chomp nets and fishing poles and each other and lead other fish around for no reason. Real fish don't know what war is. Only robot fish do. <laughs> what? Humanity is it's wiped true. out because of nuclear war, and our fish are still fighting our wars for us down under the sea. It could happen. It's plausible. It would be really pretty looking. Yeah. Yeah. David Attenborough would do a good job narrating it. Yes. Say pro fish. Pro fish. Something. Fish. I don't remember. Proto fish. Real fish. Robo fish. <laughs> Probo fish. A uh, pro fish smart fish. Yeah. Uh, pro fish smart fish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Kevin Kuhn writes. Ty Kuhn. Kuhn. Kevin Kuhn, perhaps, oh. writes. Tie fighter on a controller. Hey, thumbs. This email is for Chris and isn't for public consumption. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> next that, <episode>. was, <laughs> that was incredible that was incredible the only thing more incredible is if you kept there. speaking yeah <laughs> all right well there's no there's no personal information but i won't read the whole thing anyway this this guy apparently came up with a a very um like workable uh controller solution for tie fighter last week i talked about playing tie fighter with an xbox 360 controller and found it like pretty lacking relative to the, the number of things you need to be able to do in that game, the number of inputs you need. Um, so he says he figured out a great solution that he wrote a blog post about over at Giant Bomb, a guide to playing X-Wing and TIE Fighter on a controller. Uh, anyway, he, go, he goes well. He way into it. Um, anyway, do not read this email publicly because mm. I am George Lucas. Signed, George <laughs> Lucas. You know where uh, One thing he does say, I'm going to read this part. Good he try, says, Beth. tell Jake the Dark Troopers are from Dark Forces, not TIE Fighter. Oh, I man. Knew that, actually. Since none of it counts anymore. He's technically not wrong. Yeah, they're from nothing. You're right, though. That is totally a Dark Forces thing. Oh, and he bought me a copy of the uh, GOG version of the game, which I guess is the one I need to do his thing. That's cool. That's nice. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Um, the longest not publicly. Yeah, there's a lot of public ever. information. There's a lot more. <laughs> what else did he put in this email? It wasn't like, shared. We're not going to find out. the details of his, the whole thing you did. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Spike. Uh, no, you know we were talking about uh, kind of 
playing single player games cooperatively by sharing controls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I always found it was games like Tie Fighter where you had to have kind of a joystick and a whole bunch of controls on the keyboard made for really good versions of those. I used to play Wing Commander like that and mm. um, like Gunship 2000. Did you have like a shield operator? Yeah, exactly. Like you have someone who's like the yeah. navigator that's, that's like, awesome. you know, on the keyboard and then yeah. you're flying around or you, you swap around. That's yeah. a super good way of, of playing those things. It makes yeah. it a lot easier. Recommend. Hmm. I used to love playing. I love co-op gaming the most of all games, of all game types. And so like enforcing right. I, co-op yeah, onto I was anything. I like that for a while as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anything that can yep. be kind of played like that then mm-hmm. i'm probably going to do that i love it i'm like the opposite of sean sean likes no i love pvp co-op. it's just hard no 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 no. i would much rather play a co-op game really yeah i think i don't know if i believe that dota is five <laughs> versus five yeah Dota you cooperating co-op? Co-op? Yeah, that's not what i think people. of when i think of co-op but yeah that's yeah no 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 i would game. much rather work yeah, yeah, yeah. Play with, like okay I, work with yeah, someone yeah, like in a multiplayer team okay yeah or hot like yeah. If I could find somebody to hot seat um, Bloodborne with me, that would be yeah, probably yeah. my hot ideal. Hot seat is super good yeah, as well. be, yeah, that's fun. Like, co-op just has the ability to bring any game up a couple of rungs, and it's like how fun it is. Like, it can be a pretty shitty game, but as soon as you can play it four-player or something, then it just becomes hilariously good. One always. Chris, are you ready to read the final email? <gasps> sure. So, uh, Matthias Tammet writes, Doge GTA. Yo, having just, introduced, having just introduced someone to Doge 2048 during a media law lecture, uh, if anyone doesn't know um, what this is, 2048 was a sort of seemingly threes-inspired game that then in turn was cloned by like everybody in the universe for about three months, and someone made a version of it that had Doge dog pictures in it. The best thing that someone did was make a 2048 make-your-own-clone thing where you could upload all the images yourself. Yeah, yep. And I made a really good Jay Allard one, but it's it's gone now. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so he says, Having just introduced someone to Doge 2048 during a media law lecture, a Steam pop-up popped up promising me, quote, $1,200,000 in-game plus a bonus $300,000, why not just say $1,500,000 if I pre-purchase GTA 5? In-game awards for pre-purchasing seems to be the norm for a number of years now. The first single-player game I remember that had them was Deus Ex Human Revolution, which came out in 2011. At this point, the PR strategy has gone beyond someone's silly idea. Obviously, it rebalances the game such that either the pre-purchase version or the normal retail version must be unbalanced. Maybe you've heard or have some insight into why developers are okay with this, or even why do pre-purchasers even want this? I imagine they actually do, because otherwise the incentives would not be offered so often. Cheers and good luck with my name, Matthias Tammet. I, I don't know how Boom, I nailed it. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that, actually, when it the, the Steam pop-up came, uh, you know, when it, when it first uh, hit my account as well. And I remember being really shocked. It just felt like a weird context for that kind of bonus. Just, here's tons of money. In G, like in the world of GTA, it was a yeah. very odd sensation. Just well, really it's, it's strange. strange because it's a make-believe world, yeah, where everything has been pre, like, selected in terms of your starting state. Yeah, hopefully for, for a reason. For the yeah, a reason yeah. that would be the most fun, right. <laughs> or the yeah. most well, like, interesting, or the right. most whatever yeah. yep. what does that money get spent on haircuts it, yeah like is it in like cool oh, cars yeah. and 
paint, you know, paint up jobs for a car and stuff. Because I guess Get if you were to offer someone a neat car, like a Ferrari or something, then that's cool, but it doesn't appeal to everyone. But if you give everyone the ability to buy any car that they want in Are the entire it's, game. It's GTA it's, 5's gift card? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I you're mean, also it makes getting sense. It for the PC version of the game in which you can ultimately do literally whatever you want, including making whales rain from the I sky. I can put so many right. whales in the game. I can raise the ocean yeah. equivalent of like pre order this game and we'll give you this cheat code. Right. You know, yeah. I guess yeah. that's the equivalent. And as a kid, I understood the appeal of cheat codes. Yeah. As an adult, you know, there's no shortcuts in life. <laughs> <laughs> No, this thing is a free lunch. <laughs> Your innocent mind. Well, they're also not. <laughs> Sorry, that really got me. I, yeah. Also, pre-ordering a like presumably fifty or sixty dollar game like also isn't like, being marketed as at kids. I I imagine. Chris, I imagine this though. <laughs> yeah. if you, what if you pre-order this fifty dollar game and you get a million dollars? Yeah, that doesn't really that's seem a, like a business strategy. That's how you pitch it to work. mom. <laughs> yeah, that feels. Mom, like if you of... give me fifty to fifty bucks, I'll give you one point five mil. Think of all of the cars <laughs> and when I was a kid, and we went to the to the grocery store, and my mom would buy groceries with cash, and she would hand over like a twenty dollar bill or a fifty dollar bill, and then they would give her a bunch of bills and coins back in change. I'm like, oh wow, you're getting so much more that you gave them one money and they're giving you this like a pile of it. That's amazing. Man, you were that kid. I Weird. know. Yeah. Chris has told so many stories about being a kid in wonderment of something banal that like <laughs> it's weird. I don't when think- did fucking reality just Slam! <laughs> well, you, know Chris funny, Remo. you know what's funny about that is that I also like simultaneously. Um, w- yeah, like, Chris. Chris just flew too high as a kid, and that's why we have the Chris that we have today. I think. <laughs> well, but it was just in different way. I mean, I guess I was probably pretty young at that time. But I remember also being like the only kid in whatever. I don't remember what year this would have been, but like whatever year I was in school, who didn't think Santa Claus was real, and I got made fun of a lot because people were really pissed. That I, because I didn't realize it was a thing that other people thought was real. I thought it was like known to be just like a made up thing that is just like you put him in a cartoon or whatever. You showed all those kids, didn't you? No, but it wasn't on purpose. Like I didn't realize Look that it you wrecked out. their lives. And and I, they, they all think you're really sorry. Sorry for the Santa spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get read a mail about that. So I just had a weird collection of. <laughs> Like combination. I thought you were going to say knowledge like, I was lack at the store knowledge. and my mom would go to pay for the groceries, and you would just be shocked at how expensive groceries were. I remember you the first how... time where I saw my mom spend a hundred dollars on groceries. Oh yeah, that. that and I remember. Like, yeah. What the? Fuck? I know. I do remember that as well. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. What in the? Yeah. I went, how? I, I went with my mom yeah. to an ATM yep. once when when like ATMs were reasonably new-ish, and she got out two hundred dollars, and I was just like, "When are you gonna?" Spend been that like what is this and then yeah Dad, no and then it was just oh groceries for a family of four and some errands like we got a shirt or something like oh jeez, yeah. somebody needs yeah. socks little shoeless that took me that actually took me like a little while to get over i remember like in college well, buying like just like how much things cost because i worked through high school but right like, it's well, not that's just, i think that's partly also because age is kind of cumulative right where i mean yeah. like i'm 
how old am I? 34. 34. <laughs> but I mean, when you're, when you're 30, you're effectively the part of your brain that's 29, 28, 27, 8, 7, 6, 5, all still basically coexist. There's always the voice in your brain when you have $100 that goes, man, $100. I know. I still get that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. So dumb. I'm going to spend this on ta- nerd If ropes. I ever take out cash from the ATM, I still generally get like 60 or 80. Right. Because like, 100 feels it's like so much money. It's like $100. I'll like, when you start what? getting the 100 out because you're like, fuck it, I'm not coming back here in six days. When you start getting the hundred out, you're just like, you just don't get sixty anymore. You're just like, fuck it, I just don't. I, you know what? You, that's when you just realize, like, fuck it, I'm not good with money. <laughs> like when you start getting the hundred. Did out, I tell I my realized, stupid <laughs> Santa Claus discovery, my friend's discovery of Santa Claus story on the on the podcast before? No, I, just, I have not heard it. Send us out with. I mean, this. maybe I don't know. My friend Ben was like a super like core nerd, nerd, nerd. Like he like. <laughs> He and like he always had the um like Radio Shack build your own circuit kits that were like uh, all the yeah. springs you could wire up where mm-hmm. you'd like know what all the resistor bands mean and all what that stuff. <laughs> like just total dorko. Um like I always hung out with him but I had like the 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 I had like the 30 in 1 electronics kit cardboard thing where he had like the 150 in 1 uh, <laughs> one but he discovered that Santa Claus was not real. I feel like I've told this on the podcast before. But whatever. He hooked up like 2D batteries to an infrared LED and a thing that could pick up infrared LED signals, and that would close or open the circuit and sound a buzzer in his room. So he made a motion detector. He made a Santa trap. And he put it in front <laughs> of the fireplace <laughs> right. of his house. Yeah. And it just buzzed when his dad was putting stuff <laughs> in the stocking. So he set a fucking Santa Claus alarm out of circuitry that he built himself as, like, a lower-grade elementary school student. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, he called me. and was like, Santa's not real. It's my dad. That's how I found out Santa wasn't real. because my friend fucking hacked Santa Claus with a bunch of crap from Radio Shack that he bought for like three bucks. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's like the best and also just the most lame and sad, dumb way to it's find out the Santa. That's exactly the thing that would be in a movie. Or it's like an 80, it's, like, yeah. it's like what yeah. the kid in like the, the, the nerd right. in the Goonies would yeah. do, yeah, do yeah, yeah, exactly. to discover the Santa. Yeah. It's like what an 80s science nerd kid would do. Mm-hmm. He's also the guy who burned his entire face off when grinding his own model rocket fuel and that got rid of all his acne. And I oh, think I, I remember I did, that. I did tell that story. Yeah, yeah, what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He drank out of a straw for like three weeks, and then he had like pristine. And then underneath, he was like a beautiful, (laughs) handsome man. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure it was wasn't an excuse that he got plastic surgery and no, I know the exact person who would think that it was a really good idea to, without wearing any safety equipment, just grind rocket fuel in his garage and then explode his face. His mm-hmm. mom was not happy. <laughs> anyway. Ultimately, she was like pl- pleasantly surprised. That's why there's no Santa anymore. He got caught by that kid. <laughs> he got blown up by that. Yeah. Sad times. Yeah. All right. Well, on that bombshell. On that note, Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you love this podcast, give us three to five stars on iTunes. <laughs> yep. You can find us at idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs. Talk to you next week. And he made a noise on Skype that I've heard very rarely in a grown human person. It was just like... Try to do it. Oh, my God. (laughs)